Thanks, Peter. Uh, Henry, can I just say that was a great uh, story. Thank you. So uh, for those uh, who are challenged with the uh, size of the text, the large font Bibles, the reading from Ephesians is on page 1,815. Uh, and the pew Bibles is on page 813. So we're looking at Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfilment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. I hope you haven't lost this place because we're going on in Ephesians as well, in commencing at chapter 2, verse 1 to 10. The heading is, Made Alive in Christ. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The Spirit is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not your, from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning all. Good to see you this morning. I won't see you for the next three weeks. Um, you know, I've been in the job a month and then I go away on holidays. And I, what does that say about me? <laughs> no, I'm really sorry. It just happened to work out, trying to work in with Ruth's um, uh, work timetable and things like that. But you'll be right. I'll pray. Dear God and Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we do ask that you might speak to us this morning and that it might provide comfort for us, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. The word grace is not used at all, all that frequently in the world. It became a popular girl's name in the 17th century when the Puritans were emphasising the concept of grace in regards to salvation. And I'm told, but I wasn't around at the time, that it was a popular name in the early 1900s. And not many people are described as gracious, for we live in a world of performance and works. You do me a favour, I do you a favour. And we always seem to be having to balance up the ledger. And someone, if uh, you... If they do you a favour, they may well say to you, you owe me one. Well, where might we find grace? Hard to find in the world, also hard to find in the world of religion. The Buddhists know no concept of grace. They believe that the way in which to be tranquil in the world and to have sort of a gracious feeling is to dissociate yourself from your problems, that you sort of put them out there and you leave them out there and if you can keep your mind pure and clear from that, then you'll have some sort of graciousness. The Hindu has no idea of grace either because they don't know or think that they will find forgiveness or grace. And in fact, they may come back as something worse than what they are. I talked with one lady once about uh, who was a Hindu and I said, what do you think you might come back as? And she said, I might come back as an ant or an elephant. I really didn't think that that would be very nice and certainly I don't think it would provide grace. And this is sort of, that sort of thinking is summed up for us in that the great author C.S. Lewis was once came upon a group of his university colleagues who were actually discussing the major religions of the world and they asked him as a Christian, what distinguishes Christianity from other religions. Now, we all might have our answer to that. But his answer, he said this, oh, that's easy. It's grace. In the Bible, 
Grace actually starts in Genesis. Adam and Eve sinned. They go against the word of God and God had told them that they would die. But what does God do? He doesn't kill them off. He's actually, and we will see this as we go on, he is actually put in, in, into operation a plan of salvation of all mankind. And we see throughout the Old Testament, God continues to actually act grace, graciously. He lets Adam and Eve live. He saves Noah and his family. And in the book of Deuteronomy, when he chooses the people of Israel as his people, he tells them that he chooses them not because they are superior in any way, but rather that he just loves them. And that whole thing goes on. And God continues to graciously save the people of Israel. In the book of Judges, we see it regularly. We know the story of Gideon, and on it goes in that fashion. And so we come to the New Testament, and we see God's grace there too. Jesus comes, and he tells many stories, and one story that stands out in regards to grace is the story of the prodigal son that we would all know well. One day, Ruth had a group meeting in our, her, in our home. They were non-Christians who had come uh, in regards to a medical um, conference and she was talking to them and I was about to go out and give a Bible study. And so I went and I said, bye, I'm going now. And one of the ladies said, where are you going? And I said, I'm going to give a Bible study. And she said... What's that? So I explained what a Bible study was. And she said, and what are you going to talk about? And I said, I'm going to talk about the prodigal son. And she said, what's that about? So I told the whole story. Here was a chance to get the gospel in, you know, like, boy, oh boy, Ruth has been trying to minister to this woman for years. I've only just met her and I get, get, the, get the gig. So I told her the story of the prodigal son. You know, here is a father, the boy does the wrong thing and off he goes. You know it all. And so I explained it all. I said, well, this is a reflection of God's forgiveness. And her response was this. She looked puzzled and she said to me, that's not fair. Now, that was a good, interesting answer, wasn't it? And it's not fair. You see, grace isn't fair. It is simply the work of God. And in Ephesians, we are reminded of that. If you want to uh, sort of look in chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, they are famous verses in regards to God's grace. For it is by grace you have been saved. You know, the prodigal son was brought back and his father could have said, beat it. But no, he forgives him. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. 
And then, you know, we might well say, well, I believe, look how good I am. But then we are told, no, that the very faith we have is a gift of God and not by works so that no one can boast. God in his great mercy has chosen to save us. In 2 Timothy 1.9 it says this, This grace was given to us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of all time. And this grace is also free. It is a gift of God, being justified freely by grace. And it is the sovereign work of God. And so we are God's people. His grace is eternal, free and sovereign. Well, that being the case, how then ought we respond to it? I want to draw your attention to two passages of the scriptures. And the first one is to do actually with the fact of how we speak. For If we have accepted God's grace, we are aware of the fact that as his people, we are to live in the way he wants us to speak. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29 says this. If you wish to look at it with me. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their deeds, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, some of us, by nature, may well not be as tactful as others. Some of us, by training, might not be as tactful as others. I can assure you, that on the rugby field, it's no good saying to someone, would you kindly revise the manner in which you are doing things and get on side? No. You blow the whistle and say, offside, get on side and don't do it again. How much different it is for we as followers of the Lord Jesus not to be involved in hate speech incredible, isn't it, to where the world has gone. But if we identify as the Lord Jesus Christ's people, then we will be people who are actually trying to bite our tongues, to behave ourselves and to watch how we speak. And the second passage that I want to draw your attention to is in Titus. This passage reminds us again about our behaviour as God's people who are saved through grace. First of all, in verse 11, it's page 1856 of the Big Pew Bibles. Um, Those of you who have been graciously given better eyesight than me will have to look it up for themselves. But it says this, For the grace of God has appeared, and that is Jesus, that offers salvation to all people. And so if we have received this 
this. It says to us, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. Here's a tough ask for Henry with his young people to say no to ungodliness and to worldly passions for we live in a world which says if, if it feels right to you, you do it. But the Christian can't take that attitude. And secondly, it says to us, and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in this present age. How hard is that? The world finds it very difficult to be self-controlled. If you think it, say it. If you want to do it, do it. But we are reminded here that as God's people, we are to be compassionate, kind, gentle, forbearing, forgiving. And all those things actually come from being self-controlled. And then it actually gives us something that nobody else has. If by God's grace we have been saved, then our attitude is to look beyond this world. For it says this, while we are doing that, while we wait, what for? The blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour Jesus Christ. What a wonderful thing to look forward to, isn't it? This life is not always easy. We all have our difficulties. And we always will because we live in a broken and divided world. But we as Christians have been richly blessed and we can look beyond this life we are reminded here of heaven. We might not want to go there just yet. We might want to see our children grow up. We might want to see our grandchildren grow up. One man I know, he used to pray all the time, come Lord Jesus. Then he got engaged. Come Lord Jesus, but not just yet. And that's a good human response, isn't it? But for all of us who know and love the Lord Jesus, we ought not be forgetting that heaven is our home. And that is where eventually we will go. Sometimes when life is tough as a follower of the Lord Jesus, we can begin to bargain with God or we can be think, God, look what all I've done for you. I put money in the plate. I go along to that church and I listen to David Tyndall's sermons. What terrible suffering that is. You know, look at the things I actually have to do. Look what I'm doing for you, God. But 
The antidote to that, of course, is it is by grace you have been saved. God, in his great mercy, has brought us into his kingdom. He chose to work in us before we came to know Jesus. He has brought us to the Lord Jesus. He has saved us from our sins. We will always be in his debt. I'll pray. Thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you for your graciousness. May it inspire us to continue to live as your people and may it bring us comfort. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.